0: Welcome to the third season of Better News, a series of special podcasts it's all journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by API and the Knight Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research API has published as part of its Better News initiative. WFAE, the public radio station in the Charlotte, North Carolina region, has been around for nearly 40 years. In that time, the station saw the Latino population in the area growing larger. WFAE needed a new approach to better serve its Latino audience. Today I'm joined by Judon Marshall, WFAE's Chief Content Officer and Executive Vice President. She recently wrote a report for the Better News Initiative on how the radio station changed its approach to better engage the region's Latino population. I'm also joined by Hilda Gordian, publisher of La Noticia, Charlotte's Spanish-language newspaper. Judon and Hilda, welcome to Better News.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah, happy to be here, Michael.
0: So to start off with, I usually like to get to know the guests a little bit. Judon, tell me a little about, about yourself. How did you get involved in public media?
2: Well, I came to WFAE four years ago really because I was interested in coming back into a local newsroom. I had been at the Washington Post for a really long time and then went into some niche media, academia, startup organizations, and just really in my heart felt the call to local media. Charlotte was a place that I worked early in my career and always was a place I wanted to come back to because of the way it looked at addressing its challenges and bringing multiple people to the table from all backgrounds to have those kinds of conversations. So it was a place that I looked at and, you know, I stumbled across WFAE in that search and just was impressed by the things that they were trying to do. And I just saw an opportunity to really come in and, you know, work with the organization and help transform the way we approach local journalism.
0: Hilda, tell me about your background. How'd you get interested in journalism and how'd you end up in Charlotte?
1: I think I have journalism in my DNA. My family owns newspapers in Venezuela, where I come from. And I remember that my first job in summer when I was 14 was in the industry, and I have been in the industry ever since, and that we moved from Venezuela Charlotte in 1992 and when we came here there were no publication in Spanish. Of course the community was very small but there was no newspapers, nothing in Spanish. So in 1997 was when we started la noticia. Today we are blessed to have this opportunity to give uh, to provide the Latino community with the news and the information that they need to make informed decisions.
0: Now, I know you just said, and we also talked a little bit before the mics went on, that when you first got to Charlotte, the Latino population was rather small. Were were there any conditions that caused the population to grow, you know, since 1997?
1: I think the first attraction were jobs. Charlotte was growing in that time was when we started building all the buildings that we see today in downtown in uptown Charlotte so all of those construction was very attractive for Latinos in other parts of the country so they came here from New York from Texas from California from Florida because of the jobs opportunity that we had here in Charlotte. In 1992, when I came to Charlotte, the Latino community was very small. I don't think we were more than a thousand people. It was very difficult to find anybody who spoke Spanish here. But now that changed. Today in Charlotte, we have more than 150,000 people in, living in Charlotte and one million in North Carolina.
0: So tell me, Judon, as he'll describe the Latino community grew in Charlotte. You know, where was WFAE at a few years ago? And what led to the decision that you need to do something to service this larger audience?
2: Well, it was clear to me coming into public media that our audience and the way that we were approaching our coverage just wasn't taking advantage of the fact that we have an increasingly diverse community. And that there was an opportunity to help center more people in our community in our reporting. So that was key. And if you look at the populations here, you know, there is the African American or the Black community here, which is the largest ethnic community, and then the Latino community is next. And as Hilda mentioned, right, the growth not only in Charlotte, but in North Carolina for the Latino population is, you know, it's growing at a rate that is faster than anywhere else in the country. So, you know, the Latino population here from 2010 to 2018 has grown by 25%. And then more than one in four of those Latinos in North Carolina live in two counties, Mecklenburg County, where we're located, and then Wake County. And so it just made a lot of sense that we thought differently about how to, one, identify the needs of the Latino community and then meet those needs. And what was important for us in that was really making sure that we approached that in a culturally competent way. And that's the reason we reached out to Hilda and La Noticia to partner to do a better job at serving that community by coming together.
0: Either of you can answer this. How did that partnership sort of evolve? How did you establish it and how did it sort of change as you know, the partnership grew?
2: You know, we had the benefit of getting to know each other a little through the Charlotte Journalism Collaborative. Hilda represents her organization in that group. One of the senior editors on my team represented our organization. And so the more I heard about the work of La Noticia and started to follow it myself, you know, I was convinced that they would be a really strong partner for us in this initiative. And so I reached out to Hilda and pitched the idea of, you know, why don't we try actually hiring a reporter together, which could be a little scary if you don't, you know, know each other really well, but I just trust, trusted that in all I knew about Hilda and how she approached her work, that the values, the journalism ethics The desire to serve the community was all a direct match for for our own values and desire to serve the community. And so we figured we'd try it. We had nothing to lose and everything to gain.
0: So Hilda, what did this partnership mean for you and your publication?
1: It means that we can provide our audience with a more in-depth reporting We now are able to cover a story that we were unable to cover in the past and that we can do it together first. So both our minds come together and we find the best approach to do that. And of course, because we do it together, it also is more economic.
0: And so what did you do to sort of, I mean, what challenges did you face, you know, melding the two newsrooms and content, especially when you consider that. They're two different languages.
2: So one of the things that I would say about what has gotten us past a lot of hurdles, you know, I think we've avoided a lot of hurdles because we were very intentional going into it. So we came together in this partnership by leveraging RFA and the way that they fund News Gaps through their program. But in order to do that, we had to be proactive in thinking about what were the goals of this? How would we manage the day in, day outs of both managing and hiring and being responsible for a single reporter? How would we communicate? How would we set priorities? How would we resolve disagreements? And because we had to think about a lot of those things up front, it made it smoother when we actually got into practice. And so, as we hired the reporters, as we assigned the editors to that work, you know, all of that was very clear going in. And we've used that initial proposal and how we said it would work as like guide rails, right? To just keep everybody on track and keep everybody clear about what partnership looks like, what communication needs to be how assignment editing needs to happen. For us, we have two editors, one in Hilda's newsroom and one in my newsroom who meet on a weekly basis and communicate about the assignments. They meet individually with each other. They meet jointly with the reporter and then they hand off that reporting back and forth. You know, there've been things that we've learned along the way. The cultural competency is a real issue. And so there have been times Where, you know, we've had to turn to Hilda's newsroom to really better understand an issue or community dynamics that, you know, we may not have understood. We've had to rely on the reporters in in those roles as well to kind of bring those perspectives and help the editors understand. I'll toss it to Hilda for her thoughts on that as well.
1: I mean, even terms how to address the Latino community is different. And this is something that we we had to learn and that we had to apply. For example, we refer as our community as the Latino community versus Hispanic. I mean, there are issues related to maybe the community, the Latino community is more emotional than the community at large. So there are different ways to communicate in Spanish than when you communicate in English. So we talked about those issues, Judon and I, and we were clear about them and that they existed. And then we talked with our editors and our reporter, and then we clarify all of those uh, ways to communicate. And then once that issue was clear, then we were able to serve the both communities because that's our intention and our hope that we will serve both the English-speaking community in the same way, in the best possible way, and then also the Latino community in the same way.
0: I would imagine that when you started out and you realized that what you wanted to do was to hire a reporter, I would imagine that you had to sort of formulate, you know, what that position would be and what type of candidate you'd be looking for. Can you tell me a little about that? You know, how did you find somebody who could fit into that position?
2: Well, you know, fortunately for us, we had a lot of interest in the position. We've hired for the position twice. And in both rounds, it was a position that people were really excited. What we're seeing with young journalists, especially young journalists of color, is that they're looking for opportunities to perform that journalism in service of the communities that they feel connected to. And so attracting talent was not an obstacle for us. I think one of the things that we had to stress to you know, the folks coming into these roles and interested in these roles is that this was going to be a learning process for all of us, right? That if you were coming in and expecting things to be perfect, that this probably wasn't the role for you. You know, we were all going to, you know, be teaching each other some things and learning from each other and that we needed somebody who, you know, had the confidence to also advocate for themselves, in this role, right, because, you know, we've never managed another employee with another newsroom in this way. And so one of the things that we learned early on was like setting the right expectations for what it means for a reporter to fully report in English, fully report in Spanish, and then also create a broadcast feature on top of that, which, you know, I think we went in thinking, oh, we'll we'll have a, you know, few stories a week and then quickly learned that oh you know doing those three things you know once from one topic is the equivalent of a few stories a week so we had to manage our expectations as we got into it and learned what the workflow looked like on all of that
0: how do the stories generate were these you know the types of stories that you were initially covering or those things that the reporter sort of through their enterprise turned up stories in the Latino community, or was it even more something like a big issue that's going on in North Carolina and in the Charlotte area, what is the impact or angle from the the Latino community?
2: Well, I'll start and then I'll, I'll kick it over to Hilda. I would say it was a mix of all of those things. So we went in knowing that we were just coming out of a season here where ICE raids and detentions and deportations, were at an all time high. There was a, a huge sheriff's race that hinged on cooperation with ICE. And what we were seeing in our community was that the impact of that, just to start and stop with the immigration issue, but there was a trickle down to every area of life for the Latino community. People were afraid to send their children to school. Hilda would know more about this, right? But we, we saw issues where people were afraid to call the police when they were victims of crime or needed to report things because of the fear of detention and deportation. So we knew going into this that Looking at immigration, looking at the immigration courts, and then all of the issues that trickled out of that would be important for us.
1: I was going to add that we focus on the issues affecting the Latino community, like Judon said. I mean, these are stories that we are Telling, We are letting our communities know about these issues that are really happening right here. And these are stories that if we were not here to cover, those stories, they will go untold. And so the way that those
2: stories were defined in, and so the, the moment was those two editors would come together with that reporter on a weekly basis and brainstorm story ideas within that context. And then they would settle on the stories for the week, prioritize who was going to edit what stories, and that would just be a cycle that they repeated every week.
0: You know, obviously, all journalists had to deal with a very large story last year, the pandemic. How did the two newsrooms cover that? were they approaching at the same sort of angles because we, we know that you know many communities of color had a lot of difficulties that were sort of exposed by the pandemic.
2: We actually didn't do as much on the pandemic as a health issue together through this particular collaboration. So the reporter did do a couple of stories looking at, The effect of COVID 19 on undocumented people, you know, as a result of her reporting. But we had a separate health editor in the WFAE newsroom who really focused on COVID 19 and its impact, you know, across all populations. So looking at the Latino, the Black population, but really covered it from a more general perspective. And then where we really focused on COVID together was we brought in two additional reporters to look at the financial toll of COVID-19 on Black and Latino communities, because that was a piece of the story that wasn't being told. And so that wasn't done by this primary reporter, but we had two temporary reporters who came in and worked with us over eight months to cover it from that lens. And all of those stories, again, were produced in English in Spanish and on air for both newspapers.
0: So, You've got a reporter dedicated to the Latino community. You're sharing content where necessary. You're brainstorming about story ideas. You know, what worked well as you developed this relationship? What things didn't work well and how did you address them?
2: I think the biggest thing that didn't work well was setting our initial expectations about how much the reporter, like that single reporter, could cover so we had to learn from that and then quickly adjust you know that was a process of you know a couple of months of really finding the right rhythm for the reporter for the editing process you know i think it it was difficult for everyone over the last year the same was true for you know the reporter involved in this and so you know we also had to make sure that that reporter felt supported in the middle of a pandemic when, you know, there were issues beyond work going on. And the same is true for other people in our newsrooms as well. So it was juggling this unique experience and trying to juggle it from a cross newsroom perspective and just making sure that we were providing support and checking in. You know, I I know I would routinely check in with the reporter. I wasn't involved in her day-to-day editing. So I was just, you know, an ear, you know, to listen to any concerns she had related to the project or not just to see how things were going. And I think that emotional support, especially in the last year, was really critical and not something we thought about going into it, but something that definitely was necessary as we moved through it.
0: Hilda, what's your take on this? What worked well? What didn't work well? What impact did this have on your coverage?
1: It went well. This has been a very successful partnership. We are very happy to say that. Of course, um, nothing's going wrong, but there were each challenges. I mean, we had to adapt. I mean, details like how many times are we going to meet? Are we going to do it a week, weekly or daily or monthly? Which story are we going to cover? Are we going to publish the story at the same time? You know, we had to go through that process of organizing how we were going to do the work and then actually doing the work. I mean, we went through challenges that we had to talk about in the end was... Define, define, and clarify them, and go from there. But we learned so much. I mean, this has been a very rewarding and learning experience. And I'm thinking at the end, we benefited. I mean, both our newsrooms benefited. WFAE and La Noticia. We have more visibility in the community because of this. Now the community are large, are really grateful that we are. Producing these stories in English so that they they are they are informed about what's going on right here in Charlotte, the Latino community is benefiting because they are receiving more coverage. So it has been a really very successful relationship for for everyone. Like I said, for WFAE, for La Noticia, for the community at large in Charlotte, and for the Latino community.
0: I know that you you just said that. The, the relationship has made it so that, you know, many stories in the, the Latino community are getting greater visibility. You know, how are you measuring success, the success of this?
2: We try to look at not just numbers of who's listening to what, but what we hear in the community, right? Our focus is really on connecting with people And seeing how they're connecting with what we're doing. And so Hilda referenced this, but our reporter heard multiple times from people in the Latino community, people, you know, leaders in the Latino community who said to them about WFAE that, you know, they had been longtime fans of NPR. And by us taking on this coverage in the way that we have, it had made them respect us even more that they were conscious of the fact that we were attempting to come into the community and report on the community without producing harm you know things as simple as you know allowing people to only give their first names when we're quoting them for stories because of their fear of deportation you know the fact that we were sensitive to that you know that we explained that in the reporting things as simple as that but then also just you know a stepping up as a non-ethnic publication or news organization, but making a commitment to continue sustained nuanced reporting relative to that community, I think just caught people's attention. And I think if anything, I don't wanna take it as kudos to us because I think it's much more of an indictment against the larger journalism industry that we don't do this enough or that we don't do it well. And so we are just getting started. We have so much more to do in this realm, but I'm proud of the progress that we are making.
0: Was there any pushback from the quote unquote traditional WFAE listener to the sort of shift in focus?
2: No, because, you know, we didn't see it as a shift. We saw it as this is on top of what we, already do. So I haven't heard any pushback specifically around our coverage of the Latino community. If anything, what we see, have seen is our audience reaching out when they hear certain stories to figure out how they can be supportive of the neighbors in the stories that we are writing about. So we've had a number of those incidences where, you know, people have reached out and offered to, you know, help with medical bills or help with somebody going, getting an opportunity to go to college. I just think it's made our community, our larger community, much more aware of, you know, what some of our neighbors are facing and much more invested in seeing positive outcomes for everyone.
0: So you're going to be continuing doing this, expanding it. What advice would you give to other newsrooms who might want to Establish partnerships like the the one that uh, your two newsrooms have?
1: Hilda, why don't you
2: start with that?
1: One of the things that we will recommend is to get to know the people in the organization. Just establish those conversations at the beginning to see why do you want to do this? And then just have those conversations and just develop that relationship with the other newsroom because that relationship has to exist. I mean, you have to have a good relationship there. You have to understand each other. You have to kind of be on the same boat and have the same objective. Kind of, okay, let's do this together. Um, you have to have that understanding with the other newsroom before you start embark on, on a project like this but it, it can be done and then of course you have to just start searching like you don't and I did for a good reporter because see we are looking for for talented reporters. Our reporter is perfectly bilingual. She's able to produce high quality journalism in Spanish and English. So they have to look into that and find, and then start a program. start, write down the plan. This is what we want to do, this is the objective, and this is how we're gonna do it and be very clear about it. And of course, meet frequently because Judon and I meet very frequently to talk about our plan. Is it going well? Is it going in the right direction? Do we need to make any changes? Yeah, I just add to that, that I think it's really important to approach these partnerships
2: with the right mindset. I think there's a long history of poor collaborations in which one organization feels they're bringing more to the table than the other organization and then treat the collaboration as such. And so Hilda and I both believe in equitable collaborations. We both believe that we have as much to teach each other as we have to learn from each other. And to Hilda's point, know, I think when we went into this, we thought that, you know, our editors would meet on a weekly basis. And then maybe on a monthly basis, we'd have like a larger group meeting. And we've been able to suspend with the larger group meeting because Hilda and I talk all the time. And so, you know, she has my cell phone number, I have her cell phone number, we have, you know, weekend chats, where we're catching up about the project or larger issues, right? Like there's a real Knowledge sharing that we do about things beyond the project. And so, you know, I think we looked into that part of the relationship because we both just truly like and admire each other. And so we've built a friendship on top of everything else. But I think, you know, you have to set yourself up for that. You can't rely on the fact that that will be the natural outgrowth of a collaboration. And so I think really documenting and agreeing to what those goals are going into it, how you'll manage these things. Talk about the hard issues before they ever show up. Talk about how you're going to manage disagreements or how you're going to you know, create positive feedback loops as well as critique when necessary. You know, The thing I appreciate about Hilda, and I feel like she appreciates about me, is that we both practice ran- radical candor. And so there is nothing that she can't pick up the phone and, you know, to call me about and say that I'm going to take personally, right? And, and I think the same is true. And so we have those conversations where we're like, well, what do you think about this? Or like, this didn't make a lot of sense, you know? And I think that, that there's just a trust there that, you know, this person has my interests and I have their interests and we both have the interests of our joint organizations And those things don't, ever have to be at odds with each other. And so how do we approach this in a way that they're not at odds with each other and that we're always focused on solutions to keep us moving forward?
0: Yeah, well, that sounds like a a wonderful relationship, a wonderful collaboration. I've been talking to Hilda Gurdian, a publisher of La Noticia and Judon Marshall, WFAE's chief content officer and executive vice president. Hilda Judon, thanks for being on Better News.
1: Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure to be here, Michael. Thank
0: you. It was a pleasure to speak to both of you. Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News Initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.